Hi, this is Matt McClellan with the Grower Radio Network. Joining me today is Dr. Cheryl Boyer, Assistant Professor and Extension Specialist for Nursery at Kansas State University. Uh, she received her doctorate in horticulture from Auburn University, where she started researching alternative substrates. Hi, Matt. Glad to be here. Thanks for calling. No problem. No problem. I know that your research has been looking into finding more sustainable alternatives. So could you tell me a little bit about some of the alternative substrates that you've been researching? Sure. Uh, we've looked at, at quite a few, both at Auburn and uh, with the, the research that group that I'm with. And, and we try to pick materials that are fairly local. So, for instance, I'm in Kansas right now, and we don't have any native pine plantations here, so all of our pine bark has to be shipped in from other states. Usually it's coming from um, Arkansas or Texas, and, you know, peat's coming from Canada if you're using peat. Uh, and in the south, we, there's a lot more forestry going on, so we have access to some other materials there. When I was at Auburn working on my Ph.D., we looked at a forest residual material. So we went out to the forest, and they, they've moved a lot of the harvesting to in the field. So they actually leave a, a lot of the pine bark in the field because they just want the clean chips to make um, pulp for paper. Uh, so that material, they're just sometimes they can sell it back, but most of the time they just spread it back over the site. And so we went out and got that residual material, and we called it clean chip residual, and we ground it up a little bit more in a hammer mill. And usually for for one and three gallons, we really like like a three-eighths inch size screen. And we use that as both a, a supplement to pine bark and as a replacement. And kind of looked at that there in, in uh, Alabama. And it worked really, really well. And here in Kansas, we're looking at something that's a local resource to us. Eastern red cedar is a aggressively weedy tree species here in the Great Plains, and we lose a lot of acreage to the invasion of this plant. And so we're trying to find uses for it, and what we've been doing is gathering up some of that material and chipping it up and using it in nursery crop substrates. And it's it doesn't work quite as well as the clean chip residual. We kind of view it as more of a amendment or a pine bark extender rather than a complete replacement. But still, it's great to be using a local resource that's actually a problem tree, and you don't have to, to ship it from nearly as far, and you can save yourself some money. So that's exciting to be a part of something that is saving growers a lot of, well, I hope it's a lot of cash. It might not be, but it's definitely helping the bottom line. Okay, great. For the regional side of this, how do you really uh, start looking for potential substrates that could be used as a, either an extender or the entire um, substrate itself? Well, you know, it depends a lot on the other industries that are local. We looked at a lot of things in Alabama that were uh, regional waste products. And I mentioned earlier that when we were chatting that I have this huge literature review from the 1950s to now showing all the different things that we have tried both in research and, and growers have tried just to, to see if you can use what's close by. And I can name off probably 15 or 20 at least things that have been tried. Uh, while I was at Auburn, I also did some work with composted poultry litter. So we were looking for new ways for poultry litter. And I think we looked at beer waste, fish waste, municipal solid waste, which that's everywhere. We can you know, pretty much get our hands on that if we need to, and um, spent tea grinds. So if you're familiar with the South, they like their tea for sure, I do. And uh, we use some of those spent tea grinds from the big 
tea bottling companies. Potato sludge, I think they looked at that as well. If it's a waste product, we'll try it. So um, here in Kansas, as our regional products, we've been kind of looking at uh, some of the agronomic crops that when they're harvested, they have they leave residue on the field. And they need to leave some residue for good soil structure, but there are a few crops that we can look at recovering some of that residue to try to use in container substrates. My colleague in uh, Ohio, James Altland, he has looked at some more um, straw-based materials like miscanthus, and they don't quite work as well as, as the wood-based products. Which And the wood-based products themselves, there was always this prevailing thought that if you used wood in a potting material, that it's going to tie up the nitrogen. And that's the case to an extent, but for many of the materials that we've used, it's not going to actually impact crop growth over the the course of of the production season. With with some of the materials, lots of times they have high EC or high pH, or they do tie up the nitrogen and they don't add water holding capacity or whatever else it is that you need. So uh, the ones that work the best are the ones we've sort of latched onto and figured out ways to to incorporate them a little bit better into production systems. Great. So how far off would you say we are from seeing some of these alternative substrates in mainstream nursery use? We have a lot of, um, well, we have quite a few big growers, mostly in the southeast, that are already implementing these new technologies with the wood-based substrates. We've got some great success stories of people who have tried it. it. Like anything, it doesn't work for every crop. Most growers have a handful of different mixes they use for plants that prefer lower water holding capacities or higher water holding capacities. They have to figure out where that fits in the mix of plants that they grow. So I think it's it's on the way. People are excited. The big growers are starting. And the more people we have really start implementing this, the easier it's going to be for the smaller guys to be able to pick it up. Because one of the challenges that we found with the clean chip residual material, we, we went around and visited all these sites in the forest to sort of characterize what clean chip residual is and see how consistent it was. And the truth is, it wasn't. Every person was, it depends on the site that you're in and what your market for it is. But most of them had no idea that we were interested in using it for horticultural uses. And the ones that, they were more than happy to to work with us to figure out a way to get it to us, but it's going to take some more education for the middleman too. So like if you order your pine bark from a supplier, it would take them knowing that you were interested in in some of this material and then they could stockpile some of this clean chip residual or they also call it fuel because they when they do sell it back to the pulp mills, they use it for boiler fuel. So they would need to know that that's something that growers are interested in. And so I think that's probably the hardest part is bridging the gap between the people who can just get it straight from, you know, the operator who's out in the forest cutting down trees and the smaller person who needs to get it from a supplier and letting the supplier know that, hey, this is a material that we want. But as far as how far away that is, I, you know, I think we're pretty close. For some materials, for, for the eastern red cedar here in Kansas, we just have one grower who's uh, really trying it, Loma Vista Nursery in Ottawa. I'm hopeful that if it's successful for them that it will become more and more popular and, and we'll get some more people to try it. But uh, in the meantime, in the southeast, I think it's it's definitely picking up speed. And hopefully consumers can see it in their 
container-grown crops pretty soon, and, and they they won't notice it, I'm hoping, or, or see a, a problem with it. They shouldn't, but you never know. Mm-hmm. Well, to learn more about these alternative substrates, uh, visit Cheryl's website. It's www.sustainablesubstrates.com, and that has all sorts of research, including uh, info on whether or not some of these different mixes would work for the type of plants you grow in containers. Uh, Cheryl, thank you very much for your time today, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time to appear on the Grow Radio Network. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. You too.